Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to episode three, season three, season three. of Shooting Breezes podcast. I am Jackie. And I'm Brad. And it is, oh, what is it today? It's around about it's the 28th. the 28th of April. Who knows what day it is <laughs> when you're, not in, not when in you're sheltering in place. Exactly. No. Uh, I have a question for you, Brad, to start things off this week. Sounds good. Okay. So COVID-19. It's a particular brand of end of the world scenario, isn't it? A very specific end of the world. Apocalyptic. Well, I wouldn't say apocalyptic just yet. No, no. But if you ever thought of, you know, in the last 10 years, if you're thinking through what are the things that are going to bring the world to its knees, the world order to its knees, I don't think I would have thought pandemic. I think maybe the health officials would have been thinking about this, practicing about it. Yeah, Pan- pandemic wasn't it. high on my list. No. Maybe nuclear war. That's what I would have thought. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Global, glo- an er- early, global early global warming. warming. Yeah. So, but this is our particular brand in 2020. Mm. Um, and it's, to like a, me, it's like a glimpse of what um, the end of the world could look like. Exactly. Like this is a trial exactly. that the world's putting in place. And one day the real pandemic might start. That's true. And to me, I don't know about you, but it's a bit, it's a bit snooze fest. It's a bit bore. <laughs> I wouldn't like, say that to all, everyone that's dying. The, no. But uh, I, I, like it's a slow... It's a slow burn. Yes. Yeah. And everyone's There's no still, zombies right around. Everyone's still listening to podcasts, reading books, working from home if you can. It's, it's bizarre. Mm. Um, and it's not really what we're used to in the, in the genre. Of the end of the world movies, movies yeah. fiction, books. So my question to you is, if you could choose your brand of end of the world or your The world's going to end and I have to choose one. Yeah. And it's not like, which one would I rather survive through? It's just which one you'd like to see happening. So I'm thinking <laughs> zombies. I'm thinking, what else is there? Like solar flare? Yeah. I mean, it's a really big question. There's, there's quite a few end of world yes. scenarios. World so, War Three so just y- completely takes everyone out. Yep. So, I mean, you, like if you break it down, like you've got the pandemic one, which is mm-hmm. like a, a virus that, mm-hmm. you know, takes away all of the humanity and population yep. and everyone dies. The zombie one is a variant of that. It is. It's, it really is. I'm glad you picked it's up on more, that new one. It's a more scary, <laughs> terrifying. Yes. Well, it depends of if it. it's the slow-moving zombies, or I mean, or, that's still or terrifying. World War Z zombies or like where they're rabid very, very zombies. Fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's terrifying too. Um, and then there's what there's like asteroids coming and hitting Ooh, Earth, good one. like from space. Yes. Alien invasion is always <gasps> a another one. Stop it. Um, so. So not that I have to live through, that I get to see. Like the world's going to yeah. end. I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, it's just the one that What's I want to. What's the one you want front row tickets to? Aliens, for Aliens. sure. Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. I think because like I'll, I'll, there's a chance that I'll get to see a lot before I die. Like I doubt they're going to just come and, and blow up, you know, Australia. Like they're going to start with the White House. And they might gonna... just come and be like, oh, this place has good resources. Let's completely nuke it and use the resources to terraform our planet. Maybe. I mean, that's a very special type of you know, taking over the world. I think I think it's probably going to move slower than that. So I think, you know, the end will come, mm. but um, it'll be a very interesting way. And at least I, that way I'll get to know that aliens exist and they've yeah. conquered space travel. We're just on the bad end of it. Imagine the news cycle. Imagine your Twitter feed. Imagine the news headlines if aliens just rocked up and reached out to communicate. <laughs> it would be nuts. It would be. It would be... It, 
like nothing we've seen before, obviously. Forget would... toilet paper hoarding. People <laughs> would just start going out of their mind. And all the end of the world people that are constantly already saying like the, mm. you know, the 20th of July, 2021 is going to be the end of the world. They will feel so vindicated. And I'm like, mm. I told you the end was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crackpots come out. The crackpots sure. will come out. How do you envisage these aliens? What form do they take? Are um, they like... Spiders. I've always, I've always kind of, I'm, I've been partial to the little grey men. Oh yeah. Um, but With the, like paunch. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I don't, know, I, I don't know, little grey men. I think, I don't think that's what they would end up looking like. I, mm. I really like. Did you watch Arrival? Yes. Yeah, I really like that the kind squids. of take on aliens where it was just something that like so unseen before or really mm. like people like they just couldn't live in our environment. So they've had to manufacture this kind of smoky <laughs> aquarium. Yeah. Yeah, um, it would it would it would be unlikely. I mean, I don't really know the science behind this, but it really would be unlikely that aliens would take a form that we really no, recognize. Right? I think I'd be disappointed if they did. Like if they had two legs, two yeah, arms. Yeah, if, if a it head. was like a humanoid sort of thing, I, I'd be like, oh, okay. But if it was something that like m- my mind hadn't could have possibly comprehended mm, before, that would be cool. really cool. Mm. Uh, so I guess that's that's my answer: alien invasion. Cool. One day. Good one. All right, uh, Jackie. Kind yes. of um, not a not a similar question, but if you <laughs> I've forgotten my question. Um, okay, okay think yeah no i've got it jackie so kind of similar question if you had to survive a plane crash mm-hmm. um and you know, like you know you've seen lost you know you've seen alive like all the plane crash kind of movies oh so you've survived you survived the it crash. but there is no help on its way there's no rescue you are living with the other survivors of the crash for a sustained period of time Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which kind of survivor niche do you think he would, like which survival role would you take? Would you be like the dominant leader that would take charge of the group? Uh, would you be one of those people that kind of just sit back and, you know, don't contribute? Or would mm. you be would you be like the smart scientist that, you know, knows a few things and is able to like, you know, get water for the group? Mm. Uh, would you be the one that's, you know, contesting the leader role? <laughs> Um, <laughs> the the group hasn't picked you, but you, that's pissed you off for some reason, and yeah. you know you, you're, you're still scheming. vying for that. So you know, there's other roles up there. What, so many. What do you think you would? Which role would you fill? Um, hmm. Thinking. So I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my natural propensity to go straight for the leader role because, just as you say, there'd be other little schemers that would try and lop me off the top. Mm. As soon as things get bad. And I never like having that kind of politician style responsibility for everyone. No. So you're not drawn to the leadership role. Okay. <laughs> Hope this doesn't turn up in my, uh, uh, in an interview somewhere where I'm uh, <laughs> well, applying for a leadership if you role. you listen to here, you'd say that. You're... <laughs> um, you know, which role I'd like to feel, which I think is the smart role to feel is the one is the hunter gatherer that is the only one that can get food. Mm. Like because, you go out and set the traps yeah, for the, like Yeah, like the skilled fishermen or something yeah. that they're the only one, I'm the only one that can really just use the spear just so to get all the fish. There's, because a, there's, a, there's a certain amount of respect that comes respect with that. There's respect and you're not dispense, you're not expendable. No. Yeah, like people need, people need you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know what? In time, leadership might come through that role. That's true. It would be organic, <laughs> right? Exactly. And I could use the food to... To gain Eat. a little bit of power, yep. 
you know, gain favors. If you're I the needed, one with like, the food. Shelter. Exactly. People will be coming to you. Yep. I need a fish. And yep. you're like, well, what can you give me? Yeah. And it, and it would make total sense to have my own little stash somewhere mm. that I could just use if, if everyone just fell out. You know, if there was a Lord of the Flies situation, then I could just go to my stash and I'd be okay. Hidden away, you're good. Okay. Um, so I think that's a that's a role that a how, smart how, person to, would take. How, how well can you do you think you could do that though? If the plane uh, crashed yeah, tomorrow, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not a physical sporty person. You've, you've never Ooh. caught a fish <laughs> ever. I'm terrible at fishing. You're right. Um, oh God. Okay. You... So here's what I here's the first thing that came to my mind, and what I actually think I I would take. Out. I would be the the moral compass one, the right. one that analyzes the situation and the environment that people have placed themselves in and helps people to find their morality when they start needing, when they, when things get desperate and they start needing to do terrible things. So totally dispensable. <laughs> <laughs> but a key, a key person in any narrative, like yep. in any survival yep. narrative. You'll, you'll help the leaders find morality and then you'll die by the second act. <laughs> <laughs> but good. I think it I think it'd just be like, like a really yeah I would I couldn't help myself I'd mm. be I'd be looking at you know you know where we find us I'd have to like compare it to where humanity is you know in the 21st century and mm. how we found ourselves in this position and what it means about you know life you know in the abstract I would just could not help myself I'd just wax lyrical all day it'll be, be like hour three and yeah. you'll be talking of Socrates sermon, <laughs> of my sermon of um. Of how we need to hold on to, you know, the things that make us human in this situation. Um, I, I, yeah, I really just could not help myself. No, fair so enough. So I think that's I think, more, I think more that role does, does suit you quite well. Oh, thank well. you. Mm. What a compliment. Not much cybersecurity on a desert island somewhere. No. Shame, though. <laughs> if there was a network or a server. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what you'd bring. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, news. News. Okay, here's my here's my news story, and it's not one story; it's like a theme of stories. Because I thought we might look at because we've talked a bit about coronavirus and crackpot conspiracy theories and um, the economic impact a little bit last week. And I thought um, one of the other things that we like to talk about on this podcast is um, like. The environment. Mm. So I thought it might be interesting to do a deep dive into how coronavirus is affecting animal life. I hadn't even thought about how COVID-19 will affect the wildlife. Does it? Like, do they catch it? Because it started with bats, right? It started with bats. It's a good question. So it started with bats or it started at the wet market in Wuhan, which is like dead and alive animals that people buy to eat. Okay. Um, so one of the kind of immediate direct impact on animals is that um, I think China's moving to, if they haven't already, ban kind of live wet markets in China. Mm. So people won't be allowed to trade in kind of that game style. That's probably meat. a lot of people's like sole income and, mm. and life is degenerated. Right? You know, if I mean, it, we don't care it, about people. No, We're talking it, about animals okay, now. right. Okay, so that, that might be a positive impact. Yeah, right, and so that. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of appetite for good news stories about animals thriving in Corona times. Mm. So if you have a Twitter account or if you've got social media, you might come across various pictures of 
um, sheep coming into Scottish villages because everyone is hidden in their homes or deer running across I saw, ginormous. I saw on Twitter today a crocodile in the Venice canals. There you go. Mm. So animals um, finding that they can move into more urban areas because there's less people. Slightly terrifying. It'll be like the I Am Legend, um, Will Smith walking along and there's like a giant lion. Yes. <laughs> Imagine. So, we're only we're only a couple months, a few away. months away. <laughs> um and so one of the cute ones I saw was um hedgehogs in the UK um have are one of the winners uh, in the coronavirus because they always get killed by motorists on the road, but there's less motorists less on the road. So More hedgehogs. Um and so I saw an interesting commentary um from someone that there's winners and losers in, in the, the animal wildlife. kingdom okay. in terms of coronavirus. If the hedgehog goes up, someone must come down. Exactly. Right. It's it's a seesaw. Yep. Um, and so she said hedgehogs are good, but other animals might be suffering because, for example, um, I don't know if you saw, but there was this video of the monkeys in India having a like an all-out brawl for scraps because they're usually reliant on the tourists that come and feed them. Yeah, okay. And with tourism shut down. Less food scraps less to go around. Less food scraps around. So the people that rely on that bustle of the city and that they're already in the urban centres, mm. they might be suffering a little bit. Um, but there are other animals that are suffering even more because of coronavirus. And these are um, the animals that, are the victims of poachers in Africa. Okay. So hunting has gone up, has it? It has. Because it's an isolated sporting activity you can do by yourself? Well, two reasons, they think. One, tourists aren't going into the park anymore because of all the restrictions on travel and tourism. Mm. And so it's giving poachers more um, impunity in these, like, ranges and parkland areas to just go in and, and poach rhinos and all kinds of majestic, beautiful um, creatures for ivory. Yeah, okay. So they've, they have more space and room, basically. Mm. The second thing is that as um, uh, coronavirus crunches down on society and um, people are losing livelihoods, um, there's been a turn, and I would suggest that this turn would get gr- even greater as we go on, of people turning to, um, like, wild game just um, killing their own meat to eat. Right. Well, I guess if there's no beef on the shelves, that's one alternative. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so if you already have the skills of, and it's not even, you know, um, poachers who can be like, you know, mafia, like really, um, organized kind of poaching gangs, mm. uh, approaching groups. These are just, you know, someone who has a hunting skill and thinks, well, um, I'm hungry. My family's hungry, so I'm just going to go into the parks and, and find shoot some myself. Game. Uh, yeah, I've no issues with that though. You don't have issues with that? No. In Sh- the protected game reserves, though. Oh, protected game reserve. Well, That's, okay. Some people are saying. Yeah, that no, okay. Seeing something. If like it's that. yeah, if it's in the protected sanctuary, that yeah, that's a big no because you know those that wildlife is often. Uh, what do you mean call it? In jan- endangered. Endangered. Yeah. Mm. If it was just you know um, deer on the street. Oh, I don't deer. <laughs> There's not too many deers on the street. There's but... deer on the street now. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's not protected. Mm. Then yeah, why not? You know, okay. feed your family. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see further impact on the animal kingdom 
as, because I think we've been lucky so far in that even though we have kind of this superficial problem of not being able to find oranges or ground beef on the shelves, the, at least in Australia, our food supply hasn't been threatened at all. No. Like we've, yeah, our we've food supply is fine. Supply. Other nations are not going to be as lucky. Mm. Um, and this is going to, I think, um, food, food security is going to become an, a real big issue if this keeps going on. Yeah. Well, rethinking my the other one that mm. I said about the sanctuary and whether it's okay or not, I guess if your family is starving and you have no source of food, then, you know, if it's between my myself, my wife and my kids, I'm going to go and kill that lion. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think there's a big difference between the lone hunter who's, um, you know, it's him trying his luck and, you know, the criminal poachers who have... Yeah, they're just, just killing like, it for rifle, yeah, you know, like automatic difference. weapons and um and they and there was a terrible um incident of um some of the the rangers being caught up in poaching activity and getting killed which is terrible mm. um um but the last uh animal that i wanted to put the spotlight on was a tiger in new york obviously in a zoo who yeah. caught coronavirus a couple of weeks ago oh no started coughing okay uh, got it from uh, got it from one of the zookeepers who was asymptomatic, right? Uh, but subsequently tested pers- positive mm. when the tiger started coughing. Okay. Uh, uh, but I think he or she, I think it's a he, is okay. Um, but it raises the question about transmission through. Um, well, what was that zookeeper doing with the lion? No, so it's it so or tiger. Was so it t- yeah, so apparently lion. coronavirus. Um, can be spread. So it obviously spread from species to, to, yeah. to human uh, when it started, when this pandemic started. But it also seems to appear that human can transmit it back to animals. It's only fair. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> to take well, it out on the well, tiger, the, animal, the majestic if, tiger. Like if we're just going into groups and it's humans versus animal kind, yeah. then yeah, fair enough. Let's okay. get one back. Um, but it raises... A more concerning question, I think, the tiger getting corona about the potential impact of pets and whether they can be spreading corona without us knowing. So like cats and dogs that people have in their homes. Because I was going to say dogs are probably faring quite well. They're probably getting a lot of walks they lately. They get so, lo- so many walks. They're definitely one of the... And what if it means if a dog, if your dog's sniffing another dog, that dog gets the other dog's corona and brings it back to your house? Yeah, so social distancing needs to apply for not just people but dogs as well. Yeah, but yeah. nobody, nobody, nobody's come out and said, "Yeah, pets are a problem." In fact, a lot of people have come out and said pets are not going to have uh, are not going to have an impact on the spread of coronavirus. So, well, I just don't know. Like, there's so little research done into yeah. COVID nineteen so far. Like, it's hard enough to get a better, good idea of what it does to the human yeah. body rather than like a pet body or anim- <laughs> like a pet body, like an animal or like how it spreads and yeah. what's the best at like way to go about, you know, walking your dog. You're totally right. So I think somebody um, described it as like, we're trying to build the ship as we're taking off or something like that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be absolutely crazy to think about, you know, when um, the black, is it the black plague or the plague? Um, when they realized, when they thought it was the rats and then they, and then years later they realized it was the fleas on the rats. Yeah. Um, yeah. What if, like a decade from now, they realize it's something like that that we had no idea was was the cause of this virus, it, was spreading the virus? It Wouldn't could happen, bl- yeah. <sighs> but medicine's come a long way. I think they've got a pretty 
good, yeah. I- better idea these days, but Let's you never so. know. Yeah. I'm That's, secretly hoping that it's the fleas on the rats. So I guess, you know, the outcome of your story is, you know, some animals are doing well and some aren't so well. That's right. That's yeah, right. Just like us. It's re- circles and roundabouts. <laughs> Brad, do you have some news? Yeah, I've, um, I've found, I didn't want to do a COVID-19 story today because, you know, it just seems to be dominating the media and we've mm, spoken about it. I'm surprised it. you found it not. Oh my God, it, it was hard. It was, was it? It was really hard, yeah. Um, cause yeah, everything is, um, you know, COVID-19, even ABC today had like its first, like front page headline was, um, this is how our scientists reacted to COVID-19, you know, three weeks ago. And it, w- it wasn't like what? breaking news, but it was just, I guess COVID-19 oh, is getting all the clicks just rehashing and they everything. just need to, yeah, a new story. Um, so yeah, it's dominating the headlines. Um, but this was some positive news coming out of um, US mm-hmm. uh, about a study done with magic mushrooms. So quickly caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was a study done on the effects that um, on the effects that psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic, magic mushrooms, mushrooms. Uh, had on depression. Okay. Uh, which was a very positive impact. Oh, good. Uh, so this is the second study done on humans by this one researcher, um, and it's getting very positive results. Uh, it, I'll say that like it, do, it didn't have a control group, but um, still most mm-hmm. of the people in the study reported. Um, good for you for di- digging deeper into the study to see <laughs> to see that well, how they yeah, uh, you know, organized it. Exactly. It's like any time you read a study, like it can be easily just to go off the headline, but there's yeah. always you know, a, a lot of issues that, and, and yeah. because it's not peer reviewed yet and it hasn't been um, done. I mean, this is just one on depression, like yeah. um, magic mushrooms have been tested on a lot of uh, mental illnesses mm. um, like um, OCD, mm-hmm. uh, PTSD, okay, um, even things like smoking and mm-hmm. how it can um, impact uh, smokers to, I guess, change their habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess uh, what I wanted to talk about mainly was that um, the reason why um, we stopped researching on psycho um, somatic drugs. Okay. Uh, was it something to do with military? It, it, like, all well, the military used LSD a lot in its um, in its experiments without consent, right? Sometimes without <laughs> consent. Yeah, I think it was the CIA that Those did it without pesky, consent. Pesky, pesky armies. Yeah. Um, but it was mainly uh, like in the '60s, the US had a crackdown um, on drugs. Okay. Um, and that was Nixon. Um, and Nixon. And his administration uh, was, you know, in Vietnam and they were having a lot of pushback against the war. Um, hippies, as they called them. And those mm. hippies were, you know, doing things like LSD and weed. Um, and then the blacks, the black right movement, movement was also happening at the same time. Um, and both of those groups were heavy drug users. Mm. Um, so the administration couldn't go after each any of them based on being a hippie mm-hmm. um, or being black. Um, but you know, going after drugs allowed oh, them the ability to the drugs were fair game. Yeah, go raid their houses, lock up their leaders, um, and that's what they did. Um, and so LSD and psilocybin, uh, magic mushrooms, and a few other um, of these drugs became substance one um, drugs, which means completely illegal and not allowed to use them for medical research. There's no value to medical research, mm. uh, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of evidence um, up until that. That said, actually, these there's a lot of um, possible uses in the medical mm-hmm. world for these, mm. um, and I guess it's it's positive because over the last decade, 
um, some of those social hangups have kind of decreased and mm -hmm. a lot more research has been happening um, using kind of things like ma magic mushrooms. Um, and so, yeah, this study uh, found positive impacts on depression and it's a really good thing because right now, like the main drug that they use on depression, like antidepressants, um, doesn't actually have much long-term impact. It's kind of like mm -hmm. you're good while you're on the drug. Mm -hmm. uh, but as soon as you come off the drug, um, you know, you go straight back to being yeah. fairly depressed and um, they kind of lock down all your mood as well. So you, they kind of work because you, you don't feel like anything yeah. kind of. Uh, so a lot of people go off them because of that or, you know, there's a lot of side effects that come with them. Um, so this is, this kind of um, experiment had like a lot of long-term impacts. Okay. For uh, how long did they use magic mushrooms for? So it was, I think this study over a period of months and um, it was a macro dose. So a lot of, um, yeah. so it's like a bigger dose of the, the active ingredient. Um, and what it does is um, you go, it's you pretty much just like you're tripping on magic mushrooms. Mm. You go, they, they invoke a four hour, really deep, um, what do you call it? A, a deep trip. Mm -hmm. um, but you're there with uh, other psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like two psychiatrists that sit there with you while you go on this trip. Um, and it's not like a fun trip. It's uh, most of these people that have depression and are going through this thing, um, this trip are encouraged to think about like the bad thoughts and what made oh, them depressed in the first so place. So it's like a enhanced therapy. Yeah. So like um, it's, it's like cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, if you've ever mm. heard of that. Um, it's the main psychotherapy where they kind of um, therapists uh, see you once a week for about a year and they go through all your hardest memories and the things that kind of make you the way you are. Mm. Um, so this is kind of like a um, psychosomatic way of going about that. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, you know, through this period, through this process, I'm having these like very vivid um, trips where you're going back and experiencing like wow. really bad memories. They're finding a way to deal with those and cope mm -hmm. with those. Mm -hmm. um, and the other research that's gone into this drug has found that it um, slows down the part of your brain um, that is responsible for like your inner thought monologue. Oh, wow. um, and so like, all, like when you, it's kind of like the same part of your brain that when you're going to bed at night and that keeps you up. Yeah, like you've got you, that list of things to yeah, do. Or yeah, not even a list of things to do. It's like all the negative thoughts. It's like, you know, when yeah. you, you cringed like two yes. years ago and it's like, I can't believe you did that. Like, yeah. you know. But when with people with depression, like that thought process is always ongoing. It's a very negative it's thought damaging, process. Yeah. And everything that goes on in that mind is like, oh, you suck at this. You mm. can't do this right. Why can't you do this? But um, this experience is kind of helping people overcome that that negative thought process and mm -hmm. turn it into a more of a positive one. Mm -hmm. uh, so most people are coming off uh, uh, saying that's really positive impact. And I think 86% of them said that it was actually a completely life-changing impact on their, yeah, on them. Yeah, so. you, you often hear that it's, it's totally anecdotal, but you often hear people say um, that their trip on magic mushrooms was life-changing and that's completely changed how they view their own life and their position in it. And it makes me think of there's this whole, um, this whole kind of portion of society, a small one, um, that are illegally microdosing mm. um, to treat things like depression, PTSD. And again, so anecdotal, but you, when you hear about, you know, vets that were suicidal and maybe had one or two suicide attempts already, mm. but they found microdosing and now they're not suicidal, then 
surely it can only be a good thing, at yeah. least for that person. So, yeah, and I, and I understand that studies like these are intended so that they can find harmful side effects and things like that. But we kind of owe it to everyone to just stay the course and figure it out, right? Yeah, and, and that's what the, the guy running the study kind of said as well. He said that, um, you know, in an ideal world, this would be fine and, and you know, people mm. could go and um, just take mushrooms and, and give it a go. Um, but, you know, you have to control the experiment and, mm. and that's why this study probably received, got a lot more positive results is because it could control the environment right. and, and prepare the person. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, even though most anecdotal stories I hear about mushrooms are very similar, like people mm. had life-changing uh, moments because of them, you also hear a lot of bad trips yeah. um, and negative experiences. Um, and I think a lot of those can be attributed to also just not being as prepared or not having that yeah. support network there with you. That's um, interesting that it's not even it's not even the dosage you're saying it's it's the preparation and it's the environment in which you do it. I think I think it, it's it's That's all of those um, in one. Um, but yeah, his his thought was look, uh, we why not just give people the opportunity? Like you know, it, it might be it might have it might be a drug with like negative connotations, but if it can have a positive impact, let's give people the choice and mm. let them decide whether it's something that they want to do. Yeah, especially for it's targeting people that, you know, are desperate, you know, people that are suicidal, people mm. that are, you know, they've tried everything else and they don't, can't see why they would want to go through life like this. If, if it they gives them help. another option. Yeah, now. Like, well, exactly. One of the guys, because um, I was reading there, well, some of them said, and he said, look, I've tried everything mm, exactly, um, yeah. and this is the only thing that's ever worked. There you go. Uh, so just, yeah, on, on that basis alone. Cool. Um, Where's the study based out of? Uh, the states, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but there's, there's like, this is just um, the second study that this group has done. Um, but, the, you know, over the last decade, there's been a lot more kind of research gone back into this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the head of this study also said that he chose the magic mushroom element because there's not as many social hangups as there are with LSD. Um, mm. So while LSD could probably have the same similar sort of results, yeah. um, it's a lot easier to get this study through because it's still um, just magic mushrooms as opposed to LSD, which still has way so, like so many social mm. hangups. Interesting story. Yeah, I thought so. There's some positive kind of results and hopefully, you know, over the few, next few years, there's a lot more and we might see, I guess, more of it actually. Uh, well, uh, sorry, that, that's the other thing that um, even though a lot of these studies are having the positive impacts, um, GPs and doctors are still kind of avoiding prescribing any kind yeah. of thing like this um because surely because it's illegal no because i think i, I guess i go to that, the social hang-ups and the fact that mm. you know it is a drug and you know if, if someone's not i guess taking it properly or doesn't have mm. that support sort of network it doesn't um you know there's, a, there's probably a way bit bigger chance of it not going well for them okay interesting the whole pharmaceutical drug study world is one that remains so murky for me to like like morally murky no just i like i know that um you know pharmaceutical study practices can be seen as immoral and um there is problems with it but i find whoever their pr marketing people are as an industry they've done such a good job in shutting it down in that you don't hear about it and and there should be a lot more outcry i I think so I think, like, just the decision-making um, on what studies go through, I think it's got a lot to do with whether the end drug result 
is profitable and be, can be, you know, profitable for the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all got to make money. World, world has to go around. But think of all the potential drugs that just don't get any attention because they're not going to be profitable. Mm. That might be able to help mm. with something. Okay. So... <laughs> News is done. News is done. There's our final segment. Have, final you, have segment. you come up with a name for it yet? Um, I thought you. I said I was going to think about this over the week. But you obviously I? didn't think. I about obviously it. did not. Um, let's call it blue sky thinking. Blue sky thinking. Love it. Blue sky thinking. Um, uh, I'm coming up with the topic this week. You, you should have. Yeah, good thing I've already thought about it. Um, and my topic. I thought we could talk about dissect, analyze, wax lyrical, is friendships as an adult. Friendships? Okay. I, I like this because it's harder. It's so easier when you're a kid to make a friend, right? Yeah. So a lot of people say that. I, as a kid, I found it equally. I think I found it equally hard, maybe even harder to make friends as a kid. That's sad. Well, no, I'm, I haven't, I'm not saying that I didn't make friends. I had friends. But the whole friendship, courting, training, trial, dance mm. was quite, um, it didn't come naturally to me. Okay. And it was always something that I was a bit concerned about. And has that kind of grown uh, in your life and is it a lot easier now or do you still find so, those? And I think, uh, well, it's a good question because I think as a kid, you're always thinking, I need more. I need more friends, particularly at that adolescent stage where it's like, oh, I've only got, you know, a core group of five friends. I need, I need to expand. Yeah. I need to be able to fill a club, you know, have a, have a, have a list. Mm. What are those lists at the club? Those, uh, MVP lists. Yeah. No, no, the... I, I want to put, I'm on Jackie's list, you know, like yep. those, those connectors. Mm. I want to be able to, I need to be able to fill a club with people on my list. Mm. You know, you, you've got that kind of social anxiety that, you need more, um, but that's faded <laughs> as I've grown older, <laughs> and now I just think I've only got, I've only got the the emotional capacity for you know five key friends, you know, and you might rotate them around, you know, like they might go to the outer rim, one might go to the outer rim, you might pull a new one in for a while. Yeah, it's an interesting point, like the how you have kind of varying circles of friends, mm. right? You have a very inner core group mm-hmm. that you probably see quite regularly, and mm-hmm. then you have an outer group, and maybe like there's probably three or four kind mm-hmm. of groups there, but you definitely have, you know, your better friends and then yeah. your you know, work yeah. friends or something. And I think as an adult, you come to appreciate that, that it's not like... Because I think when you're a kid and particularly as an adolescent, it's a bit strange to have this idea of knowing someone but not being best friends with them. Mm. It's it's like it's like you're either my best friend or you're no one. Yep. Or you're my enemy even sometimes. Yep. Um, and so I'm keen to get your thoughts about friendship as an adult. Do you think it's harder? I mean, you said it yeah. was harder it, than when you I were think, a kid. I think there's a, like you think about the friends <clears throat> you had when you were a kid and I don't think I have many friendships now that are as tight and as close mm. as that because you just have so much time on your hands. You That's just, true. You know, you, you're with them all day at school um, and then your close friends, you're with them outside of school as well. So you see more of them than you do your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the guys that I went to high school with, which I'm still friends with, but you know, we live in a different location. So you know the relationship isn't what it was, um, but 
it's you know for that that time that we spent together the the bonds and and relationship that we were able to forge was closer than kind of any friend that i probably made or most friends that i've made in an adult sort Since, of because it's, yeah, it's quite hard the foundation mm. so um, strong and then i guess um we started a job you know seven eight years ago and and we all starting that job with a lot of other people and through that process we we're able to build quite close relationships with a mm. core group um, and which we still talk to, but again, don't live in the city, so it's not as close as it was. Um, but since then, like, I don't think I've had been able to, because I haven't been put in a situation where I've been forced to be very close to anyone or, you know, like, you know, see them at work, see them outside of work. Um, so just by not having that time, it's been harder to build a close relationship as it used to be when I had so much more time to spend with them. Yeah. Right. So if you did have the time, though, would you be searching? How would you go about making a new friend? Well, I think I think what's important in, in adulthood and, and friend making is to make friends that are in a similar kind of life situation that you are mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we have um, a kid, a two-year-old daughter. Um, if we were to make a close friend with someone that you know, might be a few years younger or, you know, doesn't have kids or anything, what they're going to want to do and hang out is probably mm. going to be different or limiting to what we can actually do. Yeah. Whereas if we made friends with a f- couple that had a kid, then bang, like we're doing the same, we're talking about the same stuff. We're doing play, play dates. Play and dates and stuff. Lunches. And they understand when we say, look, uh, we can't come at midday because she's going to be napping or we want to be home because routine starts at seven. Yeah. Like they get it. Or we've got the babysitter till 11. That's a hard deadline, (laughs) a very hard deadline. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, So for me, I think it's very, I think you've kind of hit it with the time theme because as I think about my adult friendships or the ones that I've made since becoming an adult, there's a high concentration in work. And I think maybe you are onto something where it's that, I've spent more time with people at work and therefore I can naturally forge those relationships. Mm. Um, whereas someone outside of work, you have to, you have to reach out, you have to make time, you have to actively work on it to until you get to that more comfortable mm. stage where, um, you can just call on them and be like, um, and have that more kind of easygoing mm. interaction with them. I think always at the start, it's a bit, it's it's still like there's a it's almost like an element of dating where it's like oh I can't like double text that person you know yeah, what yeah, I mean yeah. like you're, you're still I've trying to be cool them. and put your first like your yeah your first. I want them to find me as a suitable friend yep an option mm. um so I don't want to want them to to know about my full crazy yet and so there's <laughs> what's what's useful I guess if you're trying to make a friend is having that go between friend like that introduces you to oh. a new friendship group or you know like they're friends with this yeah. person and then you all start hanging out together and having someone that, that you're comfortable with um lets you kind of I don't know I guess put your best foot forward but also just lets you be you and mm. then like you know you're not kind of feeling like you're dating that friend you're just hanging out with your friend and their friends also there and you have a <laughs> you have enough of those and then you know we've experienced it before you start you can hang out with that person without your friend being yeah there because you know you've broken that barrier already to friends without <laughs> chaperone um and that connector person that mm. friend what magical unicorns they are because 
they always, people like that are always doing that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like people who are naturally um, inclined to connect other people, they're constantly thinking, oh, this person um, is also interested in that. I should introduce them. And they're constantly um, doing good work and putting people together. And they they seem to be always popular with lots of people swirling well, around. I think I think that's a, a big part of it because, you know, I'm thinking of um, someone in particular, but they have so many friends and such so many friendship groups. And, you know, we talk about kind of giving time to all your friends. Mm. It's harder for that person to give time to all of those friends if they're seeing them individually. Yeah. So in order to make it easier oh, for them. Oh, you think it's like a little shortcut for them. Well, it has to be because, you know, they've got so many friends um, and they've got only so many nights out that they can achieve. So like, how <laughs> can I multitask my friends it. here? I'll get, you know, these two groups together and we'll go see a movie or we'll go out for dinner. Wow. It's <laughs> not as altruistic uh, as you thought it was. No, I thought these people were just kind. Maybe, maybe they thoughtful, are. You know, doing maybe there's a bit of both in gestures. There. <laughs> um, and so, do you have with your adult friends? Do you, what's your limit? Do you think at any one time? Well, I think there is only so many actually good friends that you yeah. can have. Um, at any maybe one time because it's just hard it gets hard to manage but i think if you're able to kind of make that connection with someone and you and you and you go into that close friend bracket i think regardless of how much time you you spend with that person it's very easy to get back into that place a lot of the time it mm. might it might take you know one or two friend dates or something but suddenly you're back in that thing yeah, um, okay. it, it, it might not need a whole lot of they might not need a lot of facetime or messages mm-hmm. but um, you know, that close friend is still kind of a close friend. Mm. Um, it's just not one that you see regularly, yeah. but, um, I don't know if, you, if I'm putting a limit on it, I'd say maybe 10 to 20 close friends. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Like that, you know, that, that they're all out there and you might be hanging out with five or 10 at any given right, time. Okay. Cause I was thinking three to five that, you know, are close friends at, at a point. So I think we're in the same space, but I think our, our lifestyle and what I mean by that is is that our work pulls us from city to city, usually every kind of two to three years. It's been in the last eight years, whatever, how long we've uh, had this had this career and had this job. We, I think we and people in our career have become used to that push-pull. Mm. And so before I used to, um, before we moved around constantly, it would probably cause me anxiety to to have a close, close friend that you're hanging out, you know, weekly, every fortnight with at least, to have that fade away mm. to, you know, maybe an email every um, three months or whatever, not even that. That might have caused me anxiety. It's almost like a lost friendship. But I think you're right in that when you find yourselves together fortuitously in the same city and you say, hey, we're in the same city, let's catch up, it's, you know, one drink before you're right back in there. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing because you have all those kind of lights around the world that at anyone, at any moment could might come back into your life. And it's pretty special. It's such a special moment, right? Mm. Because it's way more special than if you're seeing them, you know, 20 times a year, you know, because you, you, you it's your limited time together that, that kind of makes it so special, right? Yeah. Um, but you do need that foundation because, 
it's just so hard to keep that contact going, right? Mm. If you're not living together, if if you everyone's busy, they've got their own lives, but if you're not physically um so, well maybe corona might change this. People might be more um get better at uh long distance friendships, but if you're not physically together, it's so difficult to keep it keep it keep the flame going. Mm. Do you think um uh, I guess while we're on the same vein like social media like Facebook and it's mainly just Facebook and and those ones that have um do you think they've hindered the process of maintaining lo- like friendships over distance or do you think um, you know, they help? I guess like what I'm seeing is while you might think that there's it, it's better for it, mm. right? You have this virtual connection there. You get to see what the other person's doing. I think there's a lot of superficiality in that as well and you're yeah. not really connecting on the same yeah. level that you kind of were forced to before. Like if you wanted to keep that friend, like you'd have to – it would be a significant effort that you'd have to go through. You have to call. You'd have to send a text yeah. or an email or something. Whereas now it's just like, oh, I'm still friends with that person on Facebook. So, you know, we're friends. I I saw them, they posted a photo the other day. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think social media is only helpful in that it's just another tool, but you have to use it actively. Mm. You know, it's the same as if you picked up a phone and called them 20 years ago. You have to message them, you know, engage with them in a meaningful way. I don't think friends on Facebook as is, you know, as a baseline is doing anything Mm. like I, I like it because I, you know, I, I see, oh, that person's had a baby that I haven't talked to for 15 years. I like it because it's almost like reading the news, but that's pers- that person's not a friend. No, they're really not a friend no. at that and stage. That, so that, and they're a curiosity that yeah. you have. <laughs> it's just as if like, oh, that's interesting. Good for them. But that person is, is not a friend. And, and the fact that I don't know that they were pregnant or were going to have a baby and that I don't feel comfortable enough to you know, reach out individually, not just alike, <laughs> um, and say congratulations, you know, um, what an amazing time. You know, all mm. those things, that that human connection of um, you're doing something, I've been there, like all that, unless you're doing anything like that, it's not, social media is not, is not the the panacea to, to no, creating friendships no. I think, I think and maintaining friendships. Mm. Oh, cool. That was, a, that was a good blue sky thinking. Blue sky thinking. I, I like her blue sky thinking because if you've seen our new podcast cover, it's very blue <gasps> sky. So totally meant that. It totally fits. Okay. Have, well, shall we call it there? Yeah, let's 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 wrap up. Um, thanks, everyone, for coming along to yes. this episode and, and listening to this point, if you got to this point. Uh, if you do like the podcast, uh, make sure you head over and rate us on iTunes if you have an iTunes account. Please. Otherwise, just subscribe and, and keep listening. Yes. And we will all see you next week. It's a weekly podcast. So, yeah, <laughs> around Tuesday or Wednesday. Perfect. Unless we get too busy. But I think we're fine. No, we're good. We've it's got, COVID. We're, we're on a roll. We're locked down. We're on a roll. It's Making it easy. As long as Corona's giving us the time. And the news. And the news. We're going to be here. <laughs> right. Okay, bye, everyone. See ya.